Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Taking Care of Your Temple podcast. This is actually episode 51, part two of Taming the Tornado Strategies for Thriving Amidst Difficult Relationships, because we all have them. So I am going to do the things that I always say at the beginning of the episode, kind of lay the foundation for what I'm doing. The objective of this podcast is to help women connect with God regularly and do that by using his grace, power, strength, might, knowledge, love, all the things to improve their physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. And there are four principles that I recommend following in order to accomplish this. The first one is keeping our focus on God. And I say this probably every time. (laughs) This is one of those things that sounds so simple, so obvious. Well, of course we would do that. It can be really difficult to do because there are so many things going on around us and we are all highly distractible. So if you feel like you are constantly having to pull your attention away from things in the world and put it back on God, you're doing it right because that's how it works. We are all doing it that way. Two, acknowledging that we are not enough on our own, that we need God's help, support, strength, everything, because we are not strong enough, smart enough, whatever enough to do this by ourselves. We need God's help. Thank goodness. He is more than happy to give that help to us as long as we ask him for it. Next, to remember it is about progress, not perfection. Um, As women, I think that a lot of times we tend to just beat ourselves up if we're not doing things perfectly. And I had a, a business coach years ago who said that one of the most important things we needed to learn how to do as entrepreneurs and probably anybody is to give ourselves permission to do things imperfectly. It's absolutely right. Because if we're expecting perfection all the time, we are going to be constantly disappointed. And then the last thing is to work on consciously changing our thoughts. And that is because the messages that we give ourselves is really, really important. And it affects everything. How we think, feel, act, connect with other people, everything. Okay, the verse for this podcast is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We should all know that. You would think we don't always act like it. All right. Let me say a quick prayer to start us off with. Lord, I just want to thank you for allowing me to do this podcast. I ask that you will bless this episode and that it will be a blessing to the people who are listening to it, that it will help them to keep moving forward in a way that's pleasing to you. Amen. Okay. So, I'm kind of doing something I really haven't done before. And that is that, um, yeah, I made a mistake. You guys are going to be really astonished. Not that I had never made a mistake before. I haven't done that, obviously, on this podcast. I realized after I recorded last week's episode, part one, of dealing with difficult people, that what I really did is I talked about difficult people, what they're like, how it manifests itself, all of that. I didn't really give very many solutions for, okay, Uh, Now, I know I've got this difficult person living next door to me or I'm working with them. How do I handle them? I kind of neglected that part. Sorry. So I'm coming back and I'm going to be addressing that today. There are things that you can do to make things better if you have these difficult people in your life. Okay. So first off, dealing with difficult people is going to be challenging at times. Yeah, like banging your head against the wall at times. But it is just an essential skill to have because 
There will never be a scarcity of difficult people in your life. I can promise you that they are there. So, and it's going to be personal relationships, home, neighborhood, workplace, church. They're everywhere. So here are some things that you can do, some general things. And then I'm going to break down the difficult people more in in categories. First is to emphasize with them. Kind of try to understand where they're coming from. It may not make it any less frustrating, but at least you can kind of get a, a handle on, on where they're coming from, what's what's guiding them. And then maybe you can work with them a little bit better. Also, avoid becoming defensive. That is a natural type of thing, especially if they attack you, which a lot of times they will do. However, if you can stay calm and reasonable, a lot of times what that does is that de-escalates them. If they get mad and attack you and you get mad back, and go after them, and it just keeps escalating and getting hotter and, you know, more anger-filled. However, you know, that the Bible verse, a soft answer turneth away wrath, which I cannot remember now where that comes from, but it's true. If you can stay reasonable, stay calm, then a lot of times they will become calmer as well. So I'm not saying it's easy to do. It takes practice, but I recommend it. Another thing is to choose your battles. Not everything is worth just making this all out fuss about. It just isn't. Um, I remember when my boys were growing up. So I had my husband and my two sons in the house. And guess what was one of the things that was most annoying for me, having three guys in the house? The toilet seat was always up. Both toilet seats were always up. So annoying. And while there were times when I would just say, get in there and put that toilet seat back down, even to my husband. Um, Most of the time I would just, I would say something maybe, but I would let it go because there were bigger issues to deal with that in the scheme of things, that was not that big of a deal. So just kind of keep that in mind, choose your battles. It does make a difference. Another thing is to kind of look at how you're reacting. Are you doing anything to contribute to the situation? And you may be, I have found that out sometimes that although I really didn't feel like I was the main cause of it, I also was really not helping as much as I could be. And the way I was reacting was kind of contributing to the problem. So, you know, take ownership for what you are doing. Um, Avoid blaming. Finger pointing, as much as it can be tempting to do and give you a temporary sense of satisfaction, really does not accomplish much. It's not helpful. So try to avoid doing that. I always, especially when I was doing therapy, um, I would tell couples, there is plenty of blame for everyone to have. We don't have to just point fingers at one person because odds are everybody contributed some to the situation. That is pretty much just how that goes. Um, Learn from the experience. You know, you don't want to keep repeating the same experience over and over again. So learn from it and see what you can do to move forward. Then we look at, sorry, negative people. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone. I am a very much the glasses half full kind of person. And I have been around people who are so negative. They can't even, you know, carry on a conversation without getting bogged down and all the bad stuff and all the negative. And it can be exhausting to be around. It, it really can't. I have dealt with that. So here are some things that you can do with those people who are incredibly negative. Set some emotional boundaries. 
It is okay for you to decide how much negativity you're willing to tolerate and then kind of draw back some at that point. Don't let negative people drag you down because they will. They absolutely will if you allow it. So you kind of have to be able to draw that line in the sand and then pull back and protect yourself. That's okay. Also, don't take it personally. I have had to tell myself this a lot over the years. You know what? That attitude is on them. It is not on me. I'm not going to take this personally. They have issues and this is just what's what's happening. Stay positive is another thing that you can do. If you have a positive outlook, y'all work to protect that. You need that. And, you know, be okay with that, regardless of how much negativity is going on around you. I had a family member who was very much a negative person. Uh, he was such a pessimist. And his response to that, I will never forget, was to respond to reply one time, well, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. And I thought, wait a minute. Why is it more realistic to see all the bad things instead of seeing all the good things? Who said that that position is more valid? But I, I've heard other people say that since then, like, because it's weightier that being a pessimist or seeing the negative, that's more important. No, it, it doesn't. And in fact, I, for me, if all I saw was the negative, that would really affect how I, uh, how I felt and acted. And I think it does for most people. Okay. Um, learn to redirect the conversation. Y'all, I have, boy, I've become an expert at this because I have talked to people, again, who are very negative and it keeps coming, circling back to the negative, to all the things that are wrong. Woe is me. This is terrible. And so you really have to learn, especially if you're talking with them to, okay, yeah, that's really bad. What about, you know, blah, 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 or something. But you just don't let them dwell on the negative or the perceived negative. That's a big one. It's not helpful for them or for you. And plus, they can do that on their own, and they will. If you're with them, you want to try to elevate the mood a little bit, and you're not going to do that by dwelling on the negative. So just learn to kind of keep redirecting the conversation. And if it gets to the point where you can't, just excuse yourself. Oh, I see somebody over there I need to talk to. I'll get back to you later or something. Okay. And that that goes along with um, limit exposure to them. Sometimes you just need to minimize the amount of time you spend with these people because they will bring you down. I, I've had people like that in my life, and I've done the old uh, go out and ring my doorbell while I'm talking to them on the phone or knock on the door. Oh, somebody's here. I need to go. I'll call you back later. And I get off the phone or whatever. Obviously, you can't do that if they're in person. I don't recommend it then. It doesn't work nearly as well. Focus on solutions. If you are talking about something and they're, they're moaning and groaning about all these things, focus on solutions. I will tell you that will probably end the conversation right there, too, because they're not going to like that. What they a lot of times want to do is just complain. They don't even want you to be a sounding board. They just want you to listen and, and oh, that's so terrible. You poor thing, blah, blah, blah. I'm not very good at that, honestly. So, um, yeah, remember that. One thing, if you are spending time with negative people, and sometimes you get stuck with that like at work, and there's nothing you can do. You want to surround yourself with positivity. You need that balance. If you've got all this negativity that is just weighing you down, 
you've got to have some positivity to help lift you back up again. So find some people who are inspiring, who uplift you to counterbalance the negativity in your life. Y'all, that is really is important. I'm not just saying that you need to do that. Practice gratitude. Regularly remind yourself of the things that you are grateful for. And, you know, that helps you maintain a positive perspective. Another that really thing that can really be helpful is to keep a sense of humor. Humor can really diffuse tense situations when they come up and they can make things more pleasant. Now I'm talking about humor, not sarcasm. I don't, sarcasm does not have the same effect. And also laugh at yourself. A lot of times they can join in with you. And when people are laughing, they're not complaining as much. So that can help. Have a trusted friend or friends that you can vent to about this. If you are stuck, especially in one of those situations, and I was, I have been several times in my life in a negative situation that I could not change. And when you are surrounded by that negativity for a long time, even if you are the most optimistic person in the world, you really can start thinking, wow, oh, is that really what's happening? It's hard to trust yourself. So you really need to have someone to say, are they right? Is that really what's going on? Or am I right? What? And and you need people who you can trust. And I would not have just one person, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone to friends and said, look, this is what's happening. This is what they're saying. What do you think? They're like, no, that's not accurate. That is their perspective. Their perspective is skewed. And that's not accurate. And I needed to hear that. I knew that, but I needed to have someone whose opinion I trusted, tell me that because I was getting so mired down in this negativity that it was hard to know. So just be aware. Learn to say no. One of my favorite words, y'all. You need to set limits and learn to politely decline to get involved in activities that drain your positivity. I'm not saying you can never do them, especially for brief periods of time, but not a long-term commitment. So I, I told this uh, story, I think, on another episode, but it's been a while. So I'm going to say, tell it again. Back when I was in college is when I learned how to say no. Uh, I was very active in the BSU, Baptist Student Union. I think it's BSM now, Baptist Student Ministries. I believe they changed it. And I was on a committee that did something. I don't even remember what, but it was just like, I, this this is not a good match for me. It's I'm not doing that great of a job because I don't like it. And there are other people who could do better. And I knew that I needed to resign. So I went into the director's office. His name was BJ and s- explained my thing. Look, um, you know, I feel bad about this, but I just cannot. I'm not doing a good job. I need to get out. So he replied, Melissa, you could not do a, a bad job if you tried. You are doing fine. And he went on and on. And when I walked out of the office, even though I went in with every intention of resigning, I was still on the committee. And so I got back to my room and I'm like, what just happened here? Well, of course, it was easier for him to keep me than look for another person. And I had gone in there being wishy-washy about it because I felt bad. And this was one of the first times I was doing this, y'all. I was much younger. So I gave it a few days, thought about it, prayed about it. And I went back. And this time I said, BJ, I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. I'll be happy to help you look for someone else but I need to resign. And I was firm. You know, there was no wishy-washy back and forth. And you know what he said? Okay. 
that was it. And I was like, oh, when I come in there and they can tell that I really mean it, then the recept the the reception is very different. So learn to say no and put some boundaries around yourself. A big, big one is to practice self-care. If you are surrounded by negative people, you need to take care of yourself. So practice your hobbies, hang out with people you love and who love you. Uh, do some fun things, do some relaxation types of things, exercise, take care of yourself. It is really, really crucial. And then if necessary, get some professional help. Again, sometimes you are in these negative situations that you cannot change, but they're not good for you. So get some help to get through them. Okay. How many of you guys know people who have anger issues? I see those hands raised. Not really, just kidding. But most of us know someone or have known someone in the past who flies off a handle, who gets angry and offended very easily and just comes out guns blazing. Those people also are everywhere. So here are some ways to do that. Okay, uh, ways to deal with them. The first is to stay calm and composed. Again, you want to do that to keep the situation from escalating and getting worse than it already is. A lot of times, these people are trying to provoke you to get you off track. It's deliberate. So, and that is especially true if you are saying things they don't want to hear. So they keep trying to derail you so that they don't have to hear whatever it is. Stay calm. Practice active listening. Try not to interrupt. Let them express themselves and maybe take notes while they're talking so that you'll remember what it is and can come back and address some of these things. Use I statements. Anyone who's in psychology or counseling, you know what I'm talking about. I statements versus you statements. You want to say things like, I feel uncomfortable when you do or say blah, 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 versus you always, you never, which is how we tend to come out. Those do not help very much. Okay, also with angry people, sometimes you need to keep a safe physical distance between you because especially if they're very volatile, you don't want to be around them if they're going to erupt. So just stay, keep some distance. I remember years ago when I was counseling at the uh, student center, I think it was at TWU, Texas Women's University, when I was working on my degree there, and I had this big guy. I mean, he was a big guy, uh, came in for something, and he was hurting but he was also really angry about the situation. And it was at night. It wasn't late at night, but it was getting dark. And we were one of the few people left there. And I said something and I could tell he didn't like it. And he started getting upset and he was reacting physically. And I was backing up and I had my hand on the phone. There were no cell phones then ready to call building security and have them get in here. I, I was not going to take chances because he could have hurt me. And then he was able to calm down and I got him out of the office, but just be aware that, uh, yeah, maintain your distance. If you can validate their feelings, because honestly, y'all being angry is not a bad thing. Anger is a feeling. Feelings are neutral. It is what we do with those feelings. It's how we act on them that can be good or bad or can get us in trouble. So them just being angry. Okay. And one of the things that I try to do with feelings that are, you know, kind of bothering me is I just take them to God. 
let God know that I am hurt. I am angry. I am ticked off. Whatever it is, God can take it. Okay? It is not disrespectful. He knows us anyway. So take it to him. Ask him for help with, you know, how to handle it. I think that's one of the best ways. Um, sometimes, because they are so angry, whatever you're trying to discuss is just not productive. So suggest a break. And just say something like, you know, I feel like we're not getting anywhere right now. Don't say, because you're being such a jerkwad, that doesn't help. Even if it's true, that does not help. Say, I feel like we're really not being productive at this point. Why don't we take a break? Let's let's get back together in 20 or 30 minutes. We can, you know, each take a breather, kind of gather our thoughts together, and let's try it again. And, you know, see what that does. Something that can help. Avoid arguing. Y'all do not get sucked into arguing with them because you will not win. They're always going to twist it around. It does not help. Try to offer solutions instead. You know, what, what if we tried it this way? Have you thought about this? Now, they may discount the solutions, and if they keep doing that, to me, that's a sign they really don't want help. They just want to gripe. And that's when I kind of gracefully bow out. Huh. Recommend some anger management resources. Okay, that is an excellent idea. However, be careful with this because that may make them angrier. A lot of times they have not even admitted that they have an anger issue. It's everybody else. They're fine. If the rest of the world would just straighten up and do what they need to do, everything would be okay. So then if you come in and suggest they maybe take an anger management course, they're going to be angry at you. So do this judiciously. Ah, one that I recommend to clients all the time when I was counseling is document. Document, 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 especially if this is something like a neighbor or workplace related, because they can come back to bite you if you don't. If there's ever, if this ever goes to court or a third party is brought in and you have some documentation, including dates to what happened, you're going to do better. And if there are other people involved, Get them to read over the documentation and sign it as well or add their comments. You want to be in the strongest possible position. So document. Okay. What about people who are rude, arrogant, overbearing, or hateful? We've all dealt with those too. Aren't they fun? Um, avoid personal attacks. Even though they may be doing it to you, try not to retaliate in kind simply because it is not helpful even though it can feel good initially. Set clear boundaries. We talked about that. Um, again, limit exposure to those people. You may, if this is how they are acting, especially if they're family, y'all, it's really hard to just cut off family. And not always the best thing to do. But get to the point where you kind of structure it to where you are only having contact with them at certain times. And, and you can say, look, mom or uncle Joe or whoever it is. I know, you know, you called me three times today, but I was at work and I can't take personal calls at work. So I tell you what, I will call you back tonight at 630. When I get home, I've got 20 minutes because then I have to get the kids to the ballgame or whatever, but give them a defined uh, period of time and stick to it and give them a one minute warning. Okay. You know, I, I'm so glad that we called and talked, even if you weren't, um, say anyway, and, but I told you I was going to have to take the kids to the ball game. 
we've got to leave in about two minutes. So kind of give them a warning. And then if you have to hang up, you know, and even say, because everybody has cell phones now, I can't talk while I'm driving because I've got the kids in the back. I need to focus. So I'm going to have to hang up now. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you later. Bye and do that. Okay. Set consequences. That's a big one. A lot of times, one, people who are being hateful, angry, rude, whatever, either they don't know or they say that they don't know how their behavior is affecting other people. Okay. Well, I was. It wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't do anything. What? She just overreacted. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they will say. So one of the things that can be helpful is to set some consequences. Let them know, if you do or say X, Y, Z, then I am going to do or say A, B, C. And you need to kind of be pretty specific and spell it out for them. And then you need to follow through with the consequences. If you don't, they're not going to believe you. You're going to lose all validity with them. But let them know, again, this is part of establishing boundaries and taking care of yourself. All these things are intertwined. But let them know if there are going to be consequences, what the consequences are going to be, and follow through. The best story I ever heard about this, I think I was in college, and I heard this guy speaking, a well-known guy like Dobson, except I don't think it was him. Anyway, he was talking about the fact that he learned very early on that if his mom said she was going to do something, he knew she was going to do it because he had been little one time and he was doing something. He was bugging her. She was He was like six or seven, I think. And he kept doing the stuff and mom kept telling him to stop. She was trying to focus on something. And finally, he did it again. And she goes, if you do that one more time, I'm going to throw you out the window. And he goes, I had to do it one more time to see if she would really do it. Well, she did. However, she had made sure it was a, a first floor window and there was like, you know, moss on the ground or something. So he wasn't going to get hurt, but he did whatever it was one more time. She immediately stopped what she was doing, went over, picked him up and threw him out the window. And he goes, I never doubted my mom again. <laughs> I knew that she would follow through and we need to do that. Don't say something that you are not prepared to follow through on. Um, be assertive. Learn to communicate your needs and your desires as well, because they're probably screaming about theirs at the top of their lungs anyway. Stay solution focused. Try not to get off on just moaning and groaning about the issues. Try to come up with things that you can do to fix it. Um, let's see. And with a lot of these people, I think this is an important one. Sometimes you need to learn to disengage permanently, at least permanently I don't know if I can say this right, permanently on a short-term basis. I'm not saying for the rest of their lives, but like you have no contact with them for the next three months or whatever, six months. I'm not saying, you know, for 50 years, but sometimes you do need to do that for your sanity and health and really for their well-being too. They need to know this is not okay. This behavior is not okay. And if you are ever with one of these people, by the way, because I've been in this before, where they start just reaming you out over the phone, I will give them a minute or two. I will try to interject something. If they listen and we can become more reasonable, fine. Otherwise, I would just say, you know what? This conversation is not working right now. I am going to hang up. We will try again later. And I hang up. That's it. 
And if they call back, I don't pick it up. I will wait at least 24 hours. I mean, they can leave a message. And then we may try again. But they have got to see that they can't just treat you in a disrespectful manner. That's not appropriate. Okay. Dealing with individuals who habitually lie, cheat, or steal. I've also dealt with those people. So much fun. Again, set boundaries with them because you're going to need to do that. Again, document these incidents, especially if this is something work-related. Um, if it becomes a recurring issue or you think it might pose a threat, it's really important in that type of situation. You, you just have to do it. Keep track of it. Write it down. Date it. I've even told people, go get it notarized. I mean, you you really at times need to have that kind of proof. And years ago, a friend of mine was in a situation where she was working in a children's home and one of the older girls went into her office to talk about something and basically propositioned her. And my friend was shocked. I mean, she was a sweet little girl at that time. She's still sweet, but not a little girl. I mean, she was a young woman and she just said no. And she didn't want to get her in trouble. So she didn't tell anybody. Well, she went home. I don't even remember if she told her husband. She may have, but she had nothing written. Well, what happened is this girl got angry because she perceived it as being rejected. So she went in the next day and told everybody that my friend had propositioned her inappropriately. My friend had nothing to back her up. It became very involved. It ended up, they, they brought in lawyers. They were investigators. She was put on leave for a while until finally, and it was a couple of months down the road, this girl admitted that she made that up. That wasn't what happened. So y'all, document to protect yourself. You need to do that. Um, Try to find the truth. When you're confronted with a lie or questionable behavior, kind of start trying to get at the truth. Ask some clarifying questions. They're not going to like it. Here's the deal. People like this can be exceptional liars. They do it very well. I remember that we had a kind of a foster child living with us for a while. And it took us a while to figure out that she lied about everything very convincingly at the drop of a hat, no hesitation. And so a couple of times we caught her dead on in situations where she was lying and we confronted her with it. And she immediately said, well, no, I didn't say that. Or I didn't do that. No, somebody else put that there. That was, I know you found that in my drawer, but I didn't put it there. Someone else did never, ever admitted that she was wrong ever. And that was one of my first experiences with someone who really is a very good liar. So again, just be aware that if that's what they do, they may be, they may be very good at it. Um, encourage some accountability. They need to learn how to take responsibility for their actions and make amends when it's appropriate. However, this one, although it's a really good one, good idea, it doesn't usually work until they're ready to admit that they have a problem. Until then, they're just going to, again, keep denying everything. Okay. Another thing that can be helpful in this situation is to maintain your own integrity. You need to be a role model for 
honesty, and ethical behavior, showing the values that you uphold. Also, avoid enabling. Don't cover up for them. Don't make excuses for them, or they will suck you into whatever is going on, and you don't want that. Um, sometimes you need to involve the authorities. Again, especially if it's a work situation, you need to get HR involved or, you know, their supervisor or your, your supervisor or something. Don't a lot of times try to handle this yourself. Protect your belongings. Use locks, passwords, and other security measures to safeguard your property or information, especially if you're dealing with individuals who have a history of theft, because they will just do it. And they won't see that there's anything wrong with that. Educate yourself. You know, learn about common scams or tactics that people use in these situations. Okay, next to last category is going to be family members. Because a lot of times we have a difficult family member. Yeah, those are fun. So practice patience. Be empathic. A lot of times they may need time to process information or change the perspective. And now I have had family members who I have prayed for over 10 years for an issue on. I had one recently that was just answered over 10 years praying for them. And not just me. I mean, a lot of the family was praying for them. It can take time. So you need to be patient. Try to have open and honest conversations. Um, active listening can be helpful. Again, set boundaries, choose your battles, focus on the positives. Usually people have some good qualities. Try to focus on that and build on that. Maybe find some shared interest with them to help establish a positive connection. Manage expectations. As much as it would be great for them to change overnight, yeah, probably not going to happen. So be realistic. Give them time. Accept them for who and where they are. Apologize when necessary. Sometimes even with these difficult people, we're the ones who are in the wrong. And if we acknowledge it and apologize, it really sets a good example for them. And they can see, oh, they apologized and the world did not end. So that that can be helpful. Um, again, self-care, use humor, sometimes limit contact, keep perspective, um, try to look at the bigger picture so that you don't get overwhelmed by all that's going on, have a good support network, friends or family who you can use as a sounding board who can help get you through this and acknowledge their efforts. Every now and then they really will make a genuine effort. Acknowledge it because you want to encourage them to keep doing that. Wow, thanks for doing blah, blah, blah. That was really helpful. Because, right, you want them to do it again. So if they make any efforts at all, acknowledge it, and maybe they'll do more. All right, so what does the Bible say? Now, the Bible does not talk really about difficult people, per se. It doesn't say, when this person is difficult, thou shalt blah, blah, blah. But it talks about relationships. Here we go. You're not going to like all of these. <laughs> I didn't. Love your neighbor. The Bible teaches the importance of loving your neighbor as yourself. Mark 12, 31 talks about that. And Jesus says there's no commander, commandment greater than that. Uh, you know, love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. That's right up there under loving God. Thanks, Lord. 
That's just what I wanted. Forgiveness. The Bible encourages forgiveness and reconciliation in relationships. And this is one that always makes me, mm. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Ouch. I mean, that is that is pretty black and white, folks. So just be aware. The Bible also talks about kindness and compassion. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Avoid gossip and slander. So we shouldn't be out there talking about these people, even if it's tempting. Proverbs 16.28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and gossip separates close friends. So we're not encouraged to do that. Not that you cannot talk to somebody about this, especially if you need help and support, but choose the person you're talking to wisely. Honor your parents. Boy, that can be a difficult one at times for some of us. Honor and respect your parents. Um, Exodus 20.12, honor your mother, your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And it talks about bearing each other's burdens. Galatians 6 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Speak truthfully, but with some discretion. Ephesians 4 25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Again, yes, we should do that. Use some discretion. Reconciliation. We need to seek reconciliation and resolution in conflicts. Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Don't drag other people in right at the beginning. Try to keep it between the two of you and settle things. If you need to, at some point, then you can pull someone else in, but don't do that. Don't start off with that. Practice humility. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking only to your own interest, but each of you also to the interest of others. Good advice. A couple more. Avoid anger and bitterness. Ephesians 4, 31-32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Good advice. Hard to do. A couple more. Fulfill your responsibilities. Ephesians 5, 22, 6, oh, through 6, 4. It, this provides guidelines for relationships within families, including husband and wife, parents and children. I'm not going to read all of it, but it's in there. And then pray for others. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, so I'm hoping that was helpful in dealing with difficult people because, again, we all have them in our lives. Okay, so fun fact about Waco. XOXO is an exhibit about love and forgiveness. I think this is appropriate. 
uh, at the Mayborn Museum. The Mayborn Museum is excited to bring a new type of exhibit to Central Texas. Through a variety of activities, the exhibit XOXO, an exhibit about love and forgiveness, offers families the opportunity to understand, appreciate, and express emotions. I love this. I think this sounds so cool. The exhibit is a fun and interactive way to help kids consider what makes them sad, mad, or happy. How cool is that? The Mayborn is excited to encourage children and their caregivers to take a deep breath and explore these powerful feelings and the effects they have on other people. So at the exhibit, visitors can work together to balance on a seesaw or connect an infinite story puzzle to build or explore a variety of facial expressions using empathy blocks, release the negative by drawing or writing down what makes you angry or sad, and then crank it through a paper shredder. I think this just sounds so great. Um, this is running through November 25th. So if you're interested, look it up. Okay. So along with this podcast and Waco Hypnosis Center, I am available for public speaking. If you are interested, you can contact me through my website at www.drmelissarich.com or email me at info at drmelissarich.com. And y'all, if you have any comments on this, this is my 51st episode. Next week will be the 52nd. That will be one full year. I'm pretty excited about it. So if you have any comments or questions, you can contact me. I'll be happy to answer if I can. All right. If you like this, if you enjoyed it, I would love for you to write me a review, give me some stars, share the episode, follow, whatever. All right, guys, that is it for today. I appreciate you all listening, and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. I will be back next week with another episode, again, my 52nd, and that's going to be special. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Bye.